Part One, Chapter Two of Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne Spiegel. Stefan Arkadyevitch was a sincere man, as far as he himself was concerned. He could not practice self-deception and persuade himself that he repented of his behavior. He could not, as yet, feel sorry that he, a handsome and susceptible man of four and thirty, was not now in love with his wife, the mother of his five living and two buried children, though she was only a year his junior. He regretted only that he had not succeeded in hiding it better from her. But he felt the whole weight of his situation, and pitied his wife, his children, and himself. Possibly he would have had better success in hiding his peccadilloes from his wife had he realized that this knowledge would have had such an effect upon her. He had never before thought clearly of this question, but he had a dim idea that his wife had long been aware that he was not faithful to her, and looked at it through her fingers. As she had lost her freshness, was beginning to look old, was no longer pretty, and far from distinguished and entirely commonplace, though she was an excellent mother of a family, he had thought that she would allow her innate sense of justice to plead for him, but it had proved to be quite the contrary. Ugh, how wretched! Ay, 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 how wretched! said Prince Stefan to himself over and over, and could not find any way out of the difficulty. And how well everything was going until this happened! How delightfully we lived! She was content, happy with the children. I never interfered with her in any way. I allowed her to do as she pleased with the children and the household. To be sure it was bad that she had been the governess in our own house, that was bad. There is something trivial and common in playing the gallant to one's own governess. But what a governess! He vividly recalled Mademoiselle Roland's black, roguish eyes and her smile. But then, while she was here in the house with us, I did not permit myself any liberties, and the worst of all is that she is already, and this must needs happen just to spite me. Ay, ay, ay! But what, what is to be done? There was no answer except that common answer which life gives to all the most complicated and unsolvable questions. This answer. You must live according to circumstances. In other words, forget yourself. But as you cannot forget yourself in sleep, at least till night, as you cannot return to that music which the water-bottle woman sang, therefore you must forget yourself in the dream of life. We shall see by and by, said Stefan Arkadyevitch to himself, and rising he put on his grey dressing-gown with blue silk lining, tied the tassels into a knot, and took a full breath into his ample lungs. Then, with his usual firm step, his legs spread somewhat apart, and easily bearing the solid weight of his body, he went over to the window, lifted the curtain, and loudly rang the bell. It was instantly answered by his old friend and valet, Matva, who came in bringing his clothes, boots, and a telegram. Behind Matva came the barber, with the shaving utensils. "'Are there any papers from the courthouse?' asked Stefan Arkadyevitch, taking the telegram and taking his seat in front of the mirror. "'On the breakfast-table,' replied Matva, looking inquiringly and with sympathy at his master, and after an instant's pause, added with a sly smile, "'They have come from the boss of the livery-stable.' Stefan Arkadyevitch made no reply, and only looked at Matva in the mirror. 
By the look which they interchanged, it could be seen how they understood each other. The look of Stefan Arkadyevitch seemed to ask, Why did you say that? Don't you know? Matva thrust his hands in his jacket pockets, kicked out his leg, and silently, good-naturedly, almost smiling, looked back to his master. I ordered them to come on Sunday, until then that you and I should not be annoyed without reason, said he, with a phrase evidently ready on his tongue. Stefan Arkadyevitch perceived that Matva wanted to make some jesting reply and attract attention to himself. Tearing open the telegram, he read it, using his wits to make out the words that were as usual blindly written, and his face brightened. Matva, Sister Anna Arkadyevna will be here tomorrow, said he, staying for a moment the plump, gleaming hand of his barber, who was making a pink path through his long, curly whiskers. Thank God, cried Matva, showing by this exclamation that he understood as well as his master the significance of this arrival, that it meant that Anna Arkadyevna, Prince Stefan's loving sister, might effect a reconciliation between husband and wife. Alone or with her husband? asked Matva. Stefan Arkadyevitch could not speak as the barber was engaged on his upper lip, but he lifted one finger. Matva nodded his head toward the mirror. Alone. Get her room ready. Report to Darya Alexandrovna and let her decide. To Darya Alexandrovna, repeated Matva, rather skeptically. Yes, report to her, and here, take the telegram, give it to her, and do as she says. You want to try an experiment, was the thought in Matva's mind, but he only said, I will obey. By this time Stefan Arkadyevitch had finished his bath and his toilet, and was just putting on his clothes, when Matva, stepping slowly with squeaking boots, and with the telegram in his hand, returned to the room. The barber was no longer there. Darya Alexandrovna bade me tell you she is going away. Do just as he, as you, please about it, said Matva, with a smile lurking in his eyes. Thrusting his hands into his pockets, and bending his head to one side, he looked at his master. Stepan Arkadyevitch was silent. Then a good-humoured and rather pitiful smile lighted up his handsome face. "'Well, Matva,' he said, shaking his head. "'It is nothing, sir. She will come to her senses,' answered Matva. "'Will come to her senses?' "'Sure she will.' "'Do you think so?' "'Who is there?' asked Stefan Arkadyevitch, hearing the rustle of a woman's dress behind the door. "'It's me,' said a powerful and pleasant female voice, and in the doorway appeared the severe and pimply face of Matryona Filimonovna, the nurse. "'Well, what is it, Matryosha?' asked Stefan Arkadyevitch, going to meet her at the door. Notwithstanding the fact that Stefan Arkadyevitch was entirely in the wrong as regarded his wife, and he himself acknowledged it, still almost everyone in the house, even the old nurse, Darya Alexandrovna's chief friend, was on his side. "'Well, what?' he asked gloomily. You go down, sir. Ask her forgiveness, just once. Perhaps the Lord will bring it out right. She is tormenting herself grievously, and it is pitiful to see her. And everything in the house is going criss-cross. The children, sir, you must have pity on them. Ask her forgiveness, sir. What is to be done? No gains without pains. But you see, she won't accept an apology. But you do your part. God is merciful, sir. Pray to God. God is merciful. Very well, then. Come on. 
said Stepan Arkadyevitch, suddenly turning red in the face. "'Very well, let me have my clothes,' said he, turning to Matva, and resolutely throwing off his dressing-gown. Matva had everything all ready for him, and stood blowing off something invisible from the shirt, stiff as a horse-collar, and with evident satisfaction he put it over his master's well-groomed body. End of chapter 2